Welcome to the Bridge Church Podcast, a weekly listen-in to the Sunday morning service of Bridge Church in Dayton, Ohio. I'm an active guy. In fact, I say something about myself that I bet many of you have probably said, and most, if not all of you, will actually relate to. I say, and I truly believe, that I'd rather be busy than bored. In fact, I convince myself over and over that I work better, that I function at a higher rate when I have a lot going on in my life. But eventually, maybe like you, it all comes crashing down. Eventually, I run out of adrenaline. Eventually, I wear out and either realize I need to rest or I get sick and I'm forced to rest. Now, I think we all have warning signs that point towards busyness getting the best of us. We become forgetful, missing out on important life details, or worse, on important life moments. Lacking time with friends and mentors, people who encourage and strengthen us. You know, we, we notice our health declining. Weight gain, body aches, sicknesses coming over and over, or even spiritual declines in our life. Disconnection from God. Disconnection from people around us who point out God in our lives. Or lacking time in the places and avenues that strengthen our spirit. So how do we recognize this exhaustion before it comes? And what do we do to repair and ultimately to prevent it? Well, first we need to look at the source. And what we're talking about here is busyness and our level of busyness and its effect on our lives can be figured out by looking at the amount of space between our current pace and our ultimate limits. Those decisions that we make that create or remove the margin in our lives. And so many factors really play into this. We have responsibilities with our jobs, you know, what has to be done, deadlines of when it needs to be done, and bosses and managers that hold us accountable to doing that. But if many of us were really honest, we do a lot of this to ourselves. Our American society is obsessed with getting ahead, with proving ourselves, being goal-oriented, In fact, a recent paper published by the National Bureau of Economic Research showed that during the pandemic, the average workday lengthened by 48 and a half minutes in the weeks following stay-at-home orders, lockdowns, and the number of meetings increased by 13%. In fact, one of the paper's co-authors, Jeffrey Polzer, was quoted saying, is it working from home or living at work or both? He goes on to say, as we try to manage our work from home environment, it's very hard to turn off work. That's always been true since our phones have followed us home, but that phenomenon has grown. And it's a trend that he calls, and and we all know, that it's not sustainable. In fact, some of you feel that right now. That the pace of your life and your ultimate limits aren't that far away from each other. The gap is small. And we've only talked about your job so far. For many of you, you have kids. And 
you want the very best for your kids. So you enroll them in sports and, and all kinds of lessons and social gatherings and, and all of those bring financial stress that make you push more and harder in your job, but it also creates less space in your life too because most of these kids can't drive. So we're over here with one kid for a two-hour practice, then off to the other kid's game or concert, and, and then school wants a conference, homework needs to be done when you get home, and there still is dinner that has to be made or purchased and consumed and cleaned up after, and, and that always you know brings with it so much, and then it's back to what needs to be done, more work, more school, you know, the family schedule can take away so much margin and it does it so innocently and so easily and all under the thought of giving the very best. But where does it really leave us? Generally, it leaves us stressed and it leaves us very tired and disconnected, living endless days, but desiring something different. And when we think of the happiest times in our lives, we think of vacations that didn't have all these schedules that left us with margin in life, with a lot of like breathing room, if you will, and, and we dream of getting back there. And, and we tell ourselves, if I can just push through this, you know, I'll take a whole week off later. But until then, we are a thankless, exhausted mess. But I believe, and I believe that I can make a case for that God desires more for us. And if we make one different decision, we can begin to refill our lives and live more thank-filled lives because we've expanded the space between our pace and our ultimate limits. And, and this idea goes back to creation. Uh, this idea is one of the commands that God gave to Israel in the very beginning. That ultimately they lost the real importance of. That Jesus then eventually highlights as a part of living a full life. An idea that King David highlighted the need for so poetically in one of his emotional musings about time and about life. And at the end of this insight that we're actually going to take a look at today, King David says something that should become the basis of every decision that we make that will point us towards a way that we can make space and fill our thanks tanks so we can live every day filled with thanks. This musing of David comes in Psalm 90. And at the beginning of this psalm, David writes about God's view of time, how, how God exists beyond the boundaries of time, and that nothing is hidden from him. And then David switches to us, and he says something that we all know, but we don't really like to think about. But it's important to think about it, because as we evaluate our busyness and how to prevent it from stealing our thankfulness, he says something in verse 10. This is Psalm 90 and verse 10. Our days may come to 70 years or 80 years if our strength endures. So, so David is creating a contrast here. Your time, God, is limitless, but our time is limited. In fact, time is our greatest but our most limited commodity. 
uh, once our time is spent, you and I can never get more of it. I can make more money, you know, but I can't get more time. He goes on then to give our time like a qualification. Yet the best of them are but trouble and sorrow, which is a very emotional way of saying you know, this, but it can feel very true, especially on the back end of a pandemic, right? It's been a really rough year for most of us, full of long days, but somehow a quick year, which is how he wraps up this thought. For they quickly pass and we fly away. Maybe you've said this before. I feel like life is just getting away from me. I know I have, and, and I do say that. I, I look at my sons who were seemingly babies like last month and, and toddlers last week, and, and then on Monday, my oldest son just passed his state test to be a fireman. As humans, our days are long, but our years are so short. And two verses later, David is going to make a statement that will seem kind of foreign to us, but if we will embrace this, it will inform our decision-making for each day and make it easier to embrace the pattern of life that God established at creation, uh, passed along to Israel, and that Jesus said could be helpful to our lives in us learning to live it to its fullest. David says this in verse 12, Teach us to number our days. Teach us, David says, meaning that this isn't natural. We naturally live life at a blistering pace. And, and looking around at what's happening, you know, we don't do that until it's too late. So David essentially gives us a prayer. Teach me, God, to know that I've only got so many days, so much time. And why? Why do I need this? That I may gain a heart of wisdom. I want to live my life wisely. I want to make the most of every day. I want to use the time with my family well. I want to put my job and my activities, my expectations, my plans in the right proportion to my life. I don't want the space between my current pace and my ultimate limits to be what it should be so that I live the full life that Jesus promised. So teach me to stop and to see my days for what they are and how many they are so that I use every day wisely. And the way to do this is through the idea, through the principle that God introduced at creation and, and did for himself, affirmed you know, then again with the Jewish people that Jesus ultimately highlighted through the Pharisees' misuse of this, when Jesus said to them and to us in Mark 2, verse 27, the Sabbath was made for man, not the man for the Sabbath. The Sabbath is just a clearly set-aside day for rest. It wasn't what the Pharisees had made it into, you know, an unbendable law that required punishment for any type of work on that day that had been set aside. And this was Jesus highlighting this. The Sabbath was meant to create rhythm in the life of a person, and that everybody needs to stop on a regular basis. And let me just ask, doesn't that sound amazing? Doesn't that sound life-giving? Doesn't that sound better than what most of us do right now? That we run, run, run until we just can't run anymore? 
that we go, go, go until sickness or some type of tragedy stops us from going. We're busy until the space between the pace of life and the ultimate limit is completely gone and I can't take one more thing. But what if you and what if I didn't wait until it was too late? What if we set a new pattern of life? You know, if, what if we made some hard decisions right now to keep from having regrets later? and set ourselves up to be more thankful people because we put this practical idea of the Sabbath, a day to rest, into practice in our own lives. God suggested this to be a weekly occurrence, but I would be a super hypocrite if I told you that you had to do it on a weekly basis in your life. For some of you, a weekly day to stop and rest and reflect is probably the best next step. But for many of us, like me, monthly would be an amazing start. <laughs> for all of us, it's important though to evaluate the flow of our lives and to begin to institute a Sabbath, a day of rest, that I'm not even going to try and like define what it looks like for you. I'm, I'm sure a day of rest for me would be very different from a day of rest for you. Some of you need to say, I'm going to take a day and I'm just not going to do any work, which might have just made you like break out in hives thinking about. But I promise, it would be good for you to do that. For some, a day of rest might involve doing something creative or artistic, painting, drawing, playing music, maybe baking. Maybe a day of rest is a day out with your family, doing something together besides just running from practice to practice to scheduled thing. Maybe a day of rest involves quiet and prayer and scripture to ground yourself. Maybe it's a hike in the woods alone or that long bike ride that you've been talking about taking. However frequent and whatever it pertains, I promise you, you'll be glad you did this and you'll be a more thanks-filled person because you did. This weekend, on the heels of Thanksgiving, to encourage this practice, we will not be having any circles going on. Instead, I want to encourage all of you to download the PDF of questions that will be on our website at bridgedayton.com under the Sunday at Home tab. Take that time that you would normally spend in a circle and use it to answer the questions and begin to schedule your Sabbath. I truly believe this is God's heart for us. This is the beginning of the full life that Jesus has for us and it will ultimately lead to living our lives on full thanks every day. It's easy looking on the glass saying it's half empty. So many people trying to change who you are, who you want to be. You've got to lift up your head from the silver lining. Your time is coming. Oh, oh, feel the daylight breaking Oh
We got a good life. We got, we got, we got a good life. We got, we got, we got a good life. Good life, good life. We got a good life. Good life. Yeah.